0: Hello everybody and welcome to Just the Cheese Please. I of course am Tara Jay and I'm here with my co-host Adam.
1: How are you doing Adam? I'm doing well. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing very well. Thank you. And we have a very special guest with us today um, from our our uh, dysfunctional family I guess of sorts. I <laughs> rat salad network at Lou Mavs.
2: Welcome Lou. Ladies and gentlemen, how's <laughs> you?
0: We're glad to have you. Rat Lewis also has his uh, own podcast, Music is Life, with Lou Mavs, and he's also on the Rat Salad Network, so go check that out. So how's everybody today? I feel like it's been a while.
2: Well, it was my first time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um, today we are talking about Toxic Avenger, um, directed by Lloyd Kaufman in uh, 1984, um a little different from what we usually do here. We don't usually do trauma films, but they definitely they definitely have their own cheesiness. So it, it goes along with the theme for sure.
2: Oh it it hon, it's Mortandella, Mozzarella, and polio, all have something to <laughs> one.
0: It definitely, it's definitely cheesy. Um, but we have not done a trauma film yet on this show. So this is going to be interesting. This was Lou's pick and as the guest. We let him choose the movie. So um we're gonna let you get started with your. You know, your what your take on this. I know you do have a history with trauma films. You really really like them. You enjoy them. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Well, I don't just love them. I actually interned for them at one point. So this was summer 98. I had just graduated high school and it was the summer right before I started at St. John's University. And I was enrolled as a communications major. And I thought, you know, it'd be cool if I could just get my foot in the door and get some experience under my belt this way. It's like when I go into college, you know, I'll have a better preparation. I'll have some kind of knowledge. So I knew that Troma's original headquarters was on 733 and 9th Avenue in Hell's Kitchen. And I grew up in Astoria, Queens. So I actually went to the Troma building and asked, are you accepting internships? And they said, sure, we're always accepting production assistance. We're actually in the middle of doing a film this summer. Would you be interested in joining? And I said, sure, no problem. I didn't ask them what the pay was, but I'm glad I did because there was no pay in it to begin with. <laughs> it <laughs> um, really
0: was an internship then.
2: It really was an internship. And I tell you, I learned a lot about uh, pre-production into a film. And at the time, I was I was working part-time to pay for books for college. So when it came time to actually shoot the film, uh, the film is Terra Firma, by the way, which was released uh, in 1999, 2000, around that time. When it came time to actually do production on the film, this took the entire month of August and it was shot in uh, Greenpoint, Brooklyn and at Pratt Institute and also with some shots in New York City. But I didn't realize that I had to be on location every day at a Mm -hmm. certain time, and I couldn't take time off my job. So I ended up having to leave right before production started. But the experience was really cool. I learned about making phone calls, doing press kits, uh, learning about script revisions and things like that. So in a a way, it was film school outside of film school. Right. And I actually ran into Lloyd Kaufman at the 2016 Comic-Con, and he remembered me, and we actually... Uh, struck up a nice conversation i have a photo with him on my instagram and you know the man is nuts but he's a visionary (laughs) and i respect the hell out of him
0: so definitely interesting did they actually have didn't because i remember i went i lived in uh queens for a while after i graduated from st john's where we know each other from and um i i kind of remember there being a studio there was that that wasn't
2: them they moved to long island city in 2011 They sold the original trauma building in Hell's Kitchen and they purchased the new one. Uh, This is on 3640 11th Street in Long Island City.
0: Okay. Yeah, I live like right on the border of Astoria and Long Island City. Really? So like basically like down the road, like I was like right by the East River. So like Mm -hmm. down the road was Long Island City and literally like up the road was, was Astoria. So it was right there. But I feel like I remember seeing like, Kaufman Studios, like, on one of the signs or something, like, to get
2: off. Okay, so Kaufman Studios, that's been around since the early early 20th century. Oh, The the lot that you're thinking of is actually where um, the old Paramount films were shot, including oh, okay. the first two Marx Brothers films, The Coconuts and Animal Crackers.
0: Okay.
2: And that is actually where they shoot Sesame Street right now. Oh, so Kaufman awesome. Astoria Studios, And trauma films, it's not the same. It's not the same thing. Okay,
0: (laughs) obviously not. If we're talking about Sesame Street and you know some of the things that this guy does, so
2: nope. nope, Well, thanks for clearing that up for
0: me. (laughs) I did not realize that, but I do remember the sign going to Manhattan, going into Manhattan, seeing that sign a lot. You know.
2: Yeah, I made you know I made the same um, confusion. I I was confused about the same thing as well until I realized no Kaufman is Union, trauma is not Union. (laughs) Makes
0: sense. Um, so this is the first time I have seen this movie. I thought maybe I had seen it somehow. I don't know how I hadn't seen it. I'm going to film school, hang out with, you know, you and other people that love trauma films that we, you know, we knew in, um, in school. So I, but you definitely remember, you don't forget this, but I did see the play when it was on like off Broadway and it was really, it was actually very funny. And this was pretty, this was pretty funny in some ways, like some parts of it, some parts are incredibly disturbing. And there's definitely a lot of stuff that you could never, ever, ever do now. Like there's just no way that you could get away with it. You know, obviously the girl, the blind girl is very funny. I don't remember what I don't really remember her name. I think Sarah, right? Is her Sarah name? was her name. Yeah. She's hilarious. Um, <laughs> the guy Bozo or whatever his name was. It's was like uh,
2: Bozo, yes.
0: <laughs> I mean, he's kind of like the the actual human uh version of Tweak from <laughs> <laughs> He's just like <laughs> Like freaking out all the time. I was like, this guy reminds me of Tweak. <laughs> um, so there were definitely some funny parts, some incredibly disturbing parts. But uh Adam, what did you what did you think? Had you had you seen this before or no?
1: No, no, this is one of those movies that I sort of knew a lot about, um, just through osmosis, you know, through growing up through that age and having friends who were sort of into trauma films, but I had never actually seen it, never had a real desire to see it, I guess. <laughs> um because I kind of knew what it was, right? I mean, this movie did not surprise me at all. It was the exact tone I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm glad that I saw it, but I probably would not seek it out again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess let's start from the beginning. Um, the first,
0: My first thought was it kind of seems like an 80s dating video. When they're showing, they're like, this is more Melvin or whatever, you know, they kind of talking about it, but the voiceover Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it was just kind of goes into the weirdest gym I've ever seen in my life. It was just what, I I don't know what was going on in that gym. It was very strange. Like Tromaville sucks. The people are terrible. (laughs) They are the worst human beings ever in this place. So yeah, we've got this like super weird gym where all kinds of very strange things are going on.
1: There was there's people jump roping in the there's people jump roping in the aisles, people kickboxing in the corner.
0: Yeah, and like wearing like little teeny tiny banana hammocks.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> just there's, there's two guys in the do. speedos.
0: I mean, it was just people are smoking cigarettes as they're working out. It was just a, a lot of weird, a lot of weirdness going on.
2: It helps with the breathing.
0: Yeah, obviously, <laughs> open open up those lungs, you know, while you're doing those
2: pull ups for sure. So uh, uh, before I begin, I just wanted to say um, I did see the Toxic Avenger musical with the late, great Nick Cordero in the role of Melvin Toxie. Mm -hmm. And that was the only time I got to see him uh, in Hell's Kitchen at the uh, New World stages. Mind you, Hell's Kitchen today is not what Hell's Kitchen was back in the day. So Hell's Kitchen today has been very Mm Disney-fied. But, you know, he was phenomenal. And it's a shame that we lost him in early 2020. So rest in peace, Nick Rodero. Yeah, so this film was shot, parts of it were shot in Brooklyn. Parts of it were shot in Boonton, New Jersey. And the last part of the film, the end of the film, was actually shot in Staten Island. That makes sense. So they kept it very tri-state. All the actors are New York actors. Some of them have never acted before in their lives. You don't say. And stay. some of them have never acted again <laughs> since then.
0: Surprise. Wow. You know, it's I... funny.
1: I, I agree with Tara that uh, the blind girl was uh, actually really funny. I thought she was really good in it. Andre Miranda. Yeah,
2: she was uh, She was great. And, you know, she played it with a uh, an innocence mm-hmm. and a certain kind of over-the-top je ne sais quoi yeah that uh came off as adorable and not annoying because you know like in a lot of 80s films the um the protagonist girlfriend kind of comes off as like the how do i put it the damsel in distress and it comes off as kind of like oh god not again but you know this time you know she was funny she was independent and sort of she and it was great that she fell in love with Toxie well independent to, to a point right you know rest in peace Gary the dog oh <laughs> um, you know
0: how I am I was like no
2: uh,
0: I don't worry really I, I,
2: I know the trick to that but we'll get to when we talk about the taco scene <laughs> but anyway the um the way Lloyd Kaufman approaches the city of Tromaville is a very Stan Brakhage type mentality you know it's like it's supposed to be like any town, USA, and it's his own world created of these silly, over-the-top characters. Some lovable, a lot not, as we'll get into the mm-hmm. film. Mostly and not, yeah. His, his key to um, shooting his scenes, fill the scene up with as many people as you can that are willing to work with free work for free just to be in a movie because then it looks bigger than what it really is.
0: And he's pretty and I think the budget I read was like five hundred thousand. Mm-hmm, he's yes. really the master of making something out of nothing. He, I mean he can really do a lot on a on a really and that's a you think about movies, that's an incredibly small budget. That is so crazy that I mean not that it looked so great, but there was some, you know, I was like this is pretty decent for that
1: that amount of money, honestly. So yeah, the, the production value was actually impressive considering the budget. Yeah. We've done exactly. a lot, we've done a lot of movies that had less production value and had bigger budgets backed by bigger students in studios. the millions. Absolutely for sure. So I mean I was looking for boom mics. I was looking for reflections. I didn't see any of that. The cinematography was good. I mean there was a lot of there was a lot of centralized faces looking down the barrel of the camera, but I assumed that, that was more of a stylistic choice mm-hmm. more than like just uh you know um not knowing how to frame shots because it seemed like the cinematographer knew what he was doing. Sound design I thought wasn't great, but I also think maybe that may have been stylistic choices rather than, uh, you know, um, budget issues. You could tell a lot of the sound was on
0: in post, and it was it was mm. obvious, like very obvious, especially his voice. Right. Because I didn't understand what was going on at first when they, after he turned into the Toxic Avenger, I didn't understand what, what his voice was because he's like... <sighs> making all these like horrible monster noises and then he's like oh well don't be afraid of me like what (laughs) so it's like me can people hear maybe they can't hear him maybe he's just thinking this in his head but no they can hear him and that was weird so i don't know what the choice what what the reason was behind that choice really it kind of that part threw me off a little bit
1: well i know i I think i think that was on purpose i think the juxtaposition of his monster noises and his very proper speaking was yeah it's
0: like perfectly speaking kind of
1: funny you know (laughs) Um, But it just it was very clear where the the loops dialogue or the ADR was as opposed to where the the dialogue was caught live or the sound was caught live. So I don't know if that was also on purpose or if that was just a production issue. That was on purpose. Okay.
0: Oh, because a lot of the screaming was definitely done. You can see, I mean, the people's expressions didn't match what was coming out of their mouth. You know, so a lot of times when they were yelling where they were like, oh, leave me alone or whatever they were saying. But they were like, their mouth didn't match what they were saying. So you could tell a lot of it was done in post for sure. The biggest
2: joke about Trauma Films' consistency is that they never seem to do well with the C word. And that C word is continuity. (laughs) And they've actually addressed this in the film Terra Firmer. It's a very funny scene, but that's a 90s film. We're not talking about that.
0: So yeah, so we have uh this guy Melvin who's getting picked on, and they're just so terrible. And I know it's bullies, and it's the 80s, and I feel like people are—I don't know if people are meaner or what—but like in movies, they always show people are so horrible, and I, you know, you feel bad for this little doofy guy. And apparently, he didn't play Toxic Avenger; it was like a different guy, right? It, it wasn't the same actor.
1: It was not the yeah, uh, actor. He all played... of a sudden got really tall. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, did you think that was the same
0: guy? I mean, I didn't—I didn't know that they would change him, but obviously, it was not the same guy.
2: You can't make a hideously deformed creature of superhuman size and strength out of someone who's 5 foot 5 unless you're replacing with someone who's 6 foot 3. Yeah, so he was definitely taller. So Mark Torgel uh was the actor who played little Melvin and after the transformation Mitchell Cohen Mitch took Cohen, over right. the role of Toxic Avenger and the voice was provided by an actor named Ken Kessler. The only other film I know that he did was a film I think it was, uh, he was involved with a film called um, Red Zone Cuba, which was actually on an episode of Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Sure, it was. <laughs> it had to have been. It was one of the dumbest films I've ever seen about the, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Cuban missile crisis. But I digress. Anyways.
0: Um, but yeah, so actually, I think because I looked, I did look it up because I I didn't feel I was like this guy can't be the same person, um, and apparently the guy who played. Tox, the toxic Avenger was also in clerks and part of the angry mob
2: <laughs> and also I think he was the guy who um, when Dante pokes his head out the door says hey try not to suck any D on your way home and he walks away and follows and the guy follows is that
0: him too that's
2: supposedly
0: <laughs> him oh, okay. But, yeah, I don't really know. I, I didn't really know what he looked like, but um, I, when I looked up who it was, it said that he was in Clerks. And I was like, he was in Clerks. And they, they showed like the one still of him, you know, banging on the door when he, the, the store was closed.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if it's the same guy, but yeah. So you're introduced to these two characters, Bozo and Slug, I think it is? Yes. Slug kind of looked like Corey Feldman to me.
0: I thought he looked like a doofy Ashton Kutcher.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> but the first thing they say about Melvin is that they don't like the way he's mopping, right? and that they're super tweaked out what was it no you, you were right though they sound like sweet he's,
0: yeah he was, he's like, he was like he's stressing me out stress everything out. was stressing him out he was always stressed out freaking out about it and like making crazy noises and just being like ah like he was so I i was so happy i'm like please kill this guy i can't take it he
1: he's was, screwing up his karma Stupid. But did not have like Xanax back then or something?
0: That's what I was, that's literally what I was like. These guys all need a freaking Xanax. Like they need to calm down. This is insane.
2: That's the trauma aesthetic. (laughs) They were incredibly annoying. So, yeah, they're
0: mad at him mopping and they're yelling at him about something that's really ridiculous. They, they, they one, Two
1: of them go back in the locker room to have sex. I think it's Slug and his girlfriend, right? The most awkward sex I've ever seen in my life.
2: Yes. I didn't <laughs> so know you crazy. could get somebody off by dry humping them. It, but... was,
0: it wasn't even, it was just, so, oh my, I was like, please make this stop. And everyone has bad tan lines too. Oh, what yeah. is up with those tan lines? What is that? Oh my God. Sorry, so that's
1: the 80s. yeah. <laughs> So Melvin walks in on them, right? And they're, like, upset at him. It's like you're in a public place. so Yeah, like you're having sex literally, like, in in a locker room. And she pulls a switchblade on him. But where was that switchblade? (laughs) Because she was practically naked.
2: Oh, you don't want to know where (laughs) I was
1: Don't.
0: I didn't even think of that. It's true. You
2: know, the funny thing is about the actors who played uh, Wanda and Slug. They ended up getting married in real life shortly after that film. And then they got divorced in 1999. So.
0: Well, I mean, it lasted a while, though. It's it's, yeah. it's a good run. I mean, they made out the entire time. I guess <laughs> I guess they were really feeling the chemistry.
2: Oh, he was definitely feeling something, and uh, <laughs> I guess that won him over.
0: <laughs> but yeah, those those four are just absolutely horrible. I mean, they're doing this points thing where they they run people over and they're you know killing people. I mean, you know, they run over that kid. You don't in movies. You're always like, oh, they're not going to kill the kid. Uh, no, <laughs> they did.
1: Should mm-hmm. we ta- should we talk about this points system, or should we just let it go? And
2: that's not talking well, about what was said in the point system. Yeah,
0: see, that's what I was thinking of that. I was like, I probably shouldn't say anything about it, but there's certain people and certain, you know, things that can, that are, you know, more points than others. And they're so into it, you know, they're like just really sick, screwed up people and they're, they're very into it.
1: But they they do have an American flag in their car, so at least there's that, right?
0: Oh, of course. At least there. And the guy was going to church. He had to get up early to go to church. So you know, he kills children. He runs over children with his car. But you know, he's going to church, so it's all we're all good here.
1: How old are these people supposed to be? Are they in high school or are they in college or what?
0: I think they're supposed to be in their twenties, right? I mean, I assume.
2: Essentially, they were in their twenties when they shot the film. I think it's safe to say that maybe they're in their early twenties, the characters. But yeah, no, they. Uh, that's the thing about um, Lloyd Kaufman with characters that are supposed to be evil. It's very black and white with who are the bad guys and who are the good guys. Right. You know.
1: Well, I, I remember being like, how, because they show the headlines about this hit and run killers who've not been caught. And I'm like, how are these people not getting caught? They get, they're screaming at the top of their lungs. They stop the car. They get out. They take pictures. They
0: get out of the car. Are and they they've
1: got, They've got, like, um, construction paper cutouts of all the people they've killed, like, on the side of the car. Their tires are probably all bloody. How are these people outsmarting the cops? Because at this point, you haven't met the cops yet, so. <laughs> this, this is you true. Don't you, you don't know. know
0: who's running this down yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's another issue. But, yeah, I just I couldn't believe it, that that um, there was this these kids running around killing people, and so badly, so non-discreetly. Because I, I still was assuming that a lot of this made sense that the the people in this film at least weren't just all caricatures of, of somebody so i don't know i just thought that was strange but again you meet the cops and it kind of all makes sense
2: yeah and by the way that was a cassava melon i believe filled with caro syrup and anything they could find at the craft services table to make the effect look as bad as it did and i think the fact that it was shot on grainy 35mm at night. Of oh, the head, you mean the boy's head? Uh, it was effective.
0: Oh, you know, it was pretty It was pretty gross. I mean, there were some scenes in there that we were kind of discussing. It wasn't as gross as I thought it was going to be, but it was pretty, I mean, it was, it was gross. Well,
2: for 1985, I could see how uh, people could be affected by it. I mean, you know, th- this was a decade where Dawn of the Dead had already been released. Evil Dead was rising in popularity. New Line Cinema was releasing Friday the 13th, so... Mm-hmm. You know, I think Lloyd Kaufman, you know, the basis for The Toxic Avenger was that him and Michael Hers read on, in an issue of Variety magazine, the horror film is dead. And at the time, Trauma was known for sexy comedies. They had four films mm-hmm. that were out and they were Squeeze Play, Waitress, Stuck on You and The First Turn On. So they figured, well, let's make a horror film, but let's involve elements of our sexy comedies in here as well so that this way it's like we can come out with our own brand and it was actually a formula that worked for them from the early 80s up until the end of the decade
0: I didn't know that they did stuff. So I didn't realize that every time you say sexy comedy, it makes me think of Stewie and <laughs> sexy parties. <laughs> Sorry. I was like trying not to laugh while you're talking. <laughs> like well, that's what parties. they
2: call them. No, I, mean. I know.
0: It just it just made me, it made me giggle. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't know that they had that they had those kind of I always thought that they were all kind of just gross like toxic avenger. I really don't know much about trauma at all.
2: Well, I could give you an entire uh, uh biography on them, but uh I don't want to <laughs> bore anyone. So <laughs> You know, so I, I, I'm purposely sticking to the film.
1: <laughs> yeah, so at this point, um, we cut to two people driving toxic chemicals, right? Who just have Ziploc bags full of white powder, but cocaine, an insane yeah. amount of white powder. Is it supposed to be
0: cocaine? I'm assuming so. I mean, they have, like, they have it all over their faces at, that, at one point, so I'm they're assuming just, it's cocaine. They're just
1: sticking their faces in the bag. can like, <laughs> just huffing it right out of the bag, and it's getting all over their faces. Sweet and low, <laughs> but they did they did pull over to do it, which was very thoughtful. Well, it was very, it was very
0: responsible. Yes, <laughs> they're driving uncapped, but like barrels of toxic sludge. There's no caps on these things at all. They're just open, bubbling over. Yeah, and they're on they're on this huge truck. And but at least they pulled over to do their cocaine.
1: But they pull over in front of this health uh, this gym right with um, health club, which is really the central point of most of the movie, at least the early parts of the movie
0: seems like that's what everybody, like, everyone spends all their time there. That's just, they just hang out at the gym. Because you were asking how old they were. I was like, well, they're definitely not in school because all they do is go to this gym.
2: The reason was because aerobics and gyms seem to be taking over uh, a big part of uh, cities in the United States. And the original title of the film was called Health Club Horror. Mm. And uh, okay. you even notice at the end of the copyright, 1984, Trauma HCH Inc. Mm-hmm. So the HCH stood for Health oh. Club Hard. So that was the working title. Oh, interesting. For okay, the film. cool.
1: So, but while the the toxic sludge truck is parked outside, they decide to pull a prank on Melvin. Now, Melvin didn't deserve a lot Ooh, of Melvin. Yeah, I mean, he didn't deserve a lot of what happened to him. But a couple of things. He really was creeping on them when they were playing racquetball for no reason. I don't know what he was doing pressed up against the glass. But. <laughs> that was I mean, a he's funny a little, image, though.
0: He's a little simple. You know, obviously, you know, they're portraying him as probably someone who's got some, you know, disabilities or whatever. But again, like one of those things that you just like never do anymore. But they're just mean to him, though. They're terrible to this poor guy. I feel bad for him. Like he's he's definitely strange, but
1: he doesn't deserve that. I didn't I didn't like that. So who, who wants to describe the transformation scene?
0: Well, I guess, I, I mean, I can go for it. So they play this horrible trick on him and the girl, the blonde girl, I don't remember. I don't like, again, I'm really bad with names. The blonde girl. That is That
2: was um, Julie.
0: Okay. So Julie is like, Oh, I, I need to talk to you. So they, she lures him in to the back and then turns out the lights and then, you know, get puts a wig on a sheep. I don't know where in the hell they found a sheep in the middle of a city and brought it into
1: well, she, makes them, she makes him put on leotards and a pink tutu.
0: Like a pink tutu and a leotard, mm-hmm. right? Which he has on the whole time, which I absolutely adore that. It's the best that they keep that ta- the, ta- the tutu on him. And then, like, he, I guess they put lipstick on this poor sheep. And I'm like, the only thing I can think, of course, I'm like, I hope they were nice to the sheep in real life. <laughs> and then he's running away, and they're all laughing at him. And he jumps, he jumps, falls, I don't know, whatever, out the window and directly into the toxic sludge.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, why did they make it? him jumping out the window and not being thrown out because in my opinion it's his own damn fault they played a joke on him and then they were chasing him it's not like he did anything wrong and they were chasing him and gonna beat him up they were just laughing at him and he jumps out a window you know what i mean like why why not have it not be anything to do with his his fault why why not have them throw him out or why not have them chase him because he did something wrong at least so you're at least in fear of his life
0: that's true yeah i don't know i mean i yeah it's i just i was that's why i was like i don't know if he jumped out or if he accidentally fell out but I mean yeah he wasn't tossed out it would have made a little more sense I think if he was kind of thrown
2: well if he didn't jump in the sludge we wouldn't have a movie we wouldn't have I, anything to talk about
0: <laughs> you know of course exactly but I just feel like it's you know like what Adam said like I feel like that they sort of made it so that he just i mean maybe he was just so scared and so freaked out he just didn't know what else to do and he just ran like he just jumped out the window which obviously is not a very wise choice I don't think many most of us would make that choice but
2: he did well, maybe- and here and here and here we are so you know well, if you look at the scene where they're chasing him down, he's running down a corridor with nowhere else to go. So in a moment of panic, yeah, you could see reached- why he would have done that. But you're right. Any realistic person would have said, Why not just run out the front door? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Cause I don't think the pool was on the second floor, right? He ran upstairs at some point. Or maybe it is. I don't know.
0: I don't know. I'm not sure about the
2: they
1: way they never show you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. As, as you know, as someone who doesn't know very much about architecture or engineering, I would imagine that The pool should probably be as close to the first floor as possible. (laughs) Close to the ground. (laughs) I would agree. Okay, so... Um,
0: So, yeah, he falls into this sludge, and he's getting burned. I mean, this is toxic, you know, toxic sludge. So he's getting burned, and his skin's kind of bubbling and the everybody's gathering around they're laughing I and mean, again these people are just the worst kind of people in the world they're laughing if it was time now people would have been with their phones you know taking a picture of him instead of helping him so he's writhing around on the ground in pain and the police come over and they touch him and they're and the guy's hands go up in flames which mm-hmm. doesn't really make a lot of sense considering i mean he does burst into flames later but he was if I don't I didn't really understand. So he's got all this stuff on him, but he's not on fire. And the cop touches him and his hands go on fire. I mean, right. Am I am I right? Right. I but, then,
1: but then when he starts running down the street, he does catch fire.
0: He does. But he's not on fire at the time when the when the police officer touches him. So I don't really understand why his hands burst into flames. But he goes and he runs. He's he's you know, he's on fire. He runs home, We I guess. And we, the next scene is his mom like, hey, you're OK, Melvin. And I have to say that transformation scene was entirely too long it was just went on and on and i was like okay we get it we know what's happening can we just move this along it was just it just went on a little too long for my liking
2: i could see that but i mean for me having watched the film as many times as i have and that's a lot um (laughs) i really have to credit jennifer aspinall who was the uh the special effects person uh, behind the behind the monster hero itself um i thought she did a phenomenal job yeah. And she actually went on to bigger things later on. I think she actually even did makeup for Saturday Night Live. Yeah, no,
0: it was great. I actually was impressed with the special effects to be honest. I thought they were pretty good. I didn't I didn't expect them to be that good, honestly. I was I was pleasantly surprised at that.
1: So mm-hmm. yeah, and this is, at this point, is I think we're right around where well, first he gets thrown out by his mother or his mo- not thrown out, but his mother but he, freaks out.
0: He leaves and he tries to come back and she doesn't recognize him and she freaks out. Yeah correct
1: and i think this is where you start to get introduced to the cops and the mayor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the mayor is somebody i don't know if you recognized him tara but i looked him i up. was
0: trying to figure out where i knew him from and because he, he isn't usually that fat i don't think and he but his voice was very familiar he had a very nice voice and i was trying to place it who is it because it was driving me crazy
1: he was in the film Manigan, i think right adam Yes, he was the pizza guy who fires him. And was oh, the
0: stop it. That's amazing. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I
0: love it. What do I think? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my exactly. goodness. That's so funny. I don't I was, But I kept, is that the only thing he's from that I would know? Because I really, I kept saying, I was like, why do I know this guy? Why do I know this guy? Maybe it is just
2: from that. He was also in the films Class of Newcomb High, which is the next trauma film after this. And he was also in another film called Street Trash. So he was really big in the New York City independent film okay. um uh, it, he was very big in that world. Right. You know, he okay. was a very uh, in demand actor because of his height, but uh, not height, because of his size, but also because he was a, I thought he was he he was a very good actor. Mm-hmm. Uh RL Ryan, also Pat Ryan, that, those are the names he went by. He unfortunately passed away in 1991. Oh, so,
0: wow. He must have mm-hmm. been pretty young.
1: Yeah
0: um yeah and one kind of thing I think I mean I I think that Lloyd Kaufman is a very clever person and I think that I like that he kind of does little things here and there that you know you pick up on uh one of the things being I thought it was funny it said "It had a picture of the mayor and it said 'Re-elect mayor whatever for a healthy Tromaville (laughs) and you have this guy who's like 400 pounds in there it's like not the picture of health you know but I just, I like that Lloyd Kaufman. Like, I like the little things that he does that he puts into the movies.
1: And they he's they, the mayor's dirty and the cops are dirty. And they're just talking openly about how, I don't know, the toxic avenger, or whatever it is, that, uh, oh, here's your drug money. And it's just like a brown paper bag. And he's like, thanks for the drug money. Like, they don't go into details about how the operation works or anything. It's just about, just, just there to show you that the mayor and the cops are dirty.
0: That they're bad. Yeah, exactly. I just love <laughs> that they're giving them pre-filled syringes. It's like, oh how nice of them. They've already put the drugs in the in the needles for
2: you. Here you go. There is no room for exposition in trauma films. Yeah. But, um we actually did skip the scene in Shinbone Alley where we first meet oh right uh, yes where we first cigar produced. face with uh knuckles and uh the uh I forget the other character's name. And uh we actually meet the one good cop O'Malley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm who uh, they try to pay him off and he refuses. So they try to kill him mm-hmm. as a result. And all of a sudden out of nowhere and you don't see his face comes Melvin as a toxic Avenger bashing their head. Oh, nipples was the guy's name. Nipples. So knuckles and nipples.
1: <laughs> Wait, he's sorry. about to shoot the cop's dick off. Yeah, right? that's
2: true. <laughs> and um, all of a sudden toxic comes out of nowhere and throws cigar head by his head into a nearby garbage can, disposes of knuckles and nipples by, uh, let's see, uh, punching in knuckles' nose, Mm -hmm. bashing their heads together where you see their heads explode. (laughs) He loves those heads explosion. Yes, he does. And he gets rid of Cigar Face by putting him upside down in a garbage can and punching the living shit out of his junk. But they're not dead. Well, knuckles and nipples are dead by this point. Cigar face yells, I'll get you for this,
0: you monster. He, that's right. That's right. Yes.
2: Right. And, uh, you know, thank you to the uh, actor who played uh, Officer O'Clancy. I think I said O'Malley before. I'm sorry. It's O'Clancy, you know,
1: playing the good old stereotype of
2: the uh, Irish cop. The
1: Irish cop. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, this town is a bunch of Irish cops run by a German. German.
2: It's
0: <laughs> like, okay, this is interesting.
2: And, uh, you know, we're, you're right, then the scene after the uh, scene in Shinbon Alley is in the uh, uh, police chief, uh, not the police chief, it's in the mayor's headquarters, where you're seeing the corruption right there. And, uh, you know, although not a political theme, um, the basic theme of the film is when power corrupts, and as a result, you kind of poison your environment, you know, yeah, toxic people breed yeah. toxic situations. Right. And all of a sudden comes the one character who is toxic, who wants to make things right. Is actually
0: doing the most good.
2: That's that's probably as political as the film gets.
1: And
0: what was going on in that room, I have to say? Oh, the, with he's the go-go like, go
1: dancers? He's got go-go dancers? <laughs> he's just he's talking,
0: and they're just kind of behind him, just doing this. It's just, I'm like, what is happening in this room? This is very odd. And that one guy, his, his cohort, whatever he is, is just staring. I don't know. He, he doesn't seem to be looking at the girls, but he's just staring <laughs> off into space and he's
1: like, is he dead? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> what, is, what is happening in this room? It's like the weirdest scene ever. And they're they're discussing moving the toxic waste dump so that they could use the current site to build high-rise apartments or something like that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they're they seem to be okay with that. But when they say, when they both agree that the only place that they can dump toxic waste um, would be closer to the drinking water that's the when water they, reservoir yeah yeah that's when they seem to get excited about this idea <laughs> like that's <laughs> the part that made them genuinely happy we we're gonna
0: kill everybody that lives in tromaville yay I
1: was like okay it's like i guess the plan of just making money and moving dump site wasn't evil enough but if you're gonna hurt people at the same time it seemed to be way go. more exciting to them <laughs> well
2: it's just the fact that they could sell it because they're making beautiful waterfront property on toxic land,
1: on toxic land. Mm-hmm. so yep.
2: you know sell it for cheap, make profit, they die, sell it again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yay, cronyism. <laughs>
0: Basically, right?
1: So now I think we are at the taco place, right? Is that what it's called? The taco place? The, the Mexican place. The Mexican, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Which made me so want tacos. Like They looked so good and crunchy. Like, oh, man, that looks
1: amazing. Oh, is that why you texted me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, now oh. I want tacos. Oh. Damn. <laughs> she texted me, I want tacos. I was like, where are you texting me for? I was like, okay. Because <laughs> I,
0: I was at that part of the movie, and I was like, damn it, now I want tacos.
1: <laughs> but
0: that's a very odd, That and that whole scene is like super strange. Those guys, it's, it's kind of, it's. I like I know it's trauma but it's just <laughs> the characters and the way they dress and the way they look it's very I mean, it's very 80s too because we've definitely watched Adam and I have watched some pretty cheesy movies obviously on the show and um it seems like people, like villains, like to dress up, which, like street villains, <laughs> they to dress in really odd costumes. And mm-hmm. this was no exception with the paint. And I just, there was so many things going on that I didn't understand. Like, why do they keep kissing people? <laughs> what was, what was <laughs> happening with this? Like, it was just so,
2: it was so strange. And yeah, so yeah. It's like, are you trying to be punk rock, or are you trying to be like just over the top villains, or are you
1: auditioning for the band Loverboy? Please yeah. tell me. <laughs> Yeah, but that one guy who was behind the counter just kept because they, they kept cutting to the three uh, robbers, and they would all be doing something terrible. One, one would be doing something terrible, the other person would do something terrible, and they cut to the third guy, and he would just reach over and start kissing the uh, the cashier. <laughs>
0: it's like one guy is like gonna shoot a baby, and then the other guy is you know gonna do something terrible to another girl, and he's just like mmm, kissing this this poor cashier lady. This is just weird.
2: You know, that actor actually threatened to walk off the set when he found out that he had to hold up a gun to a baby's head.
1: Good. That scene was the most disturbing scene in the movie for me, honestly. It was yeah. There was
0: a lot of, I think, disturbed ch- children probably on that set. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess he gave them ice cream at the, at the end, but it was it was a lot of kids in bad situations.
1: I mean, I guess it was a baby, but it was old enough to, I think, understand like what a gun was. You know, it seemed like... Yeah, it, it looked like it was, it was about genuine, three. Yeah, terrified. Yeah. Um, and i thought i recognized that actor for some for a split second i thought it was needles from back to the future but it's actually another character i knew from remo williams who had the diamond in his teeth patrick Kilpatrick, yeah patrick yeah patrick, patrick and i tried to look him up on imdb but he's in like 200 films he's had like a very long career so i wasn't able to really scroll through and check but he's he did very well for himself
0: Are you talking about the guy with the, the face paint
2: yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: i didn't i didn't recognize him
1: I think he was in the film Minority
2: Report with Tom Cruise. So yeah, I saw that
1: one in the yeah. MGB. Yeah. So he's probably had the most work of anybody in this film.
2: Well, the act the actor who played Rico, the uh the kissing bandit, I'll call him, <laughs> uh, he was actually a, a he is uh a very in-demand stunt person for, yeah. for uh major motion pictures. So um, you know, doing films like this, this non-union work was just a way for them to make extra money. Um, actually, a lot of union. Um, people involved in the film industry would work on non-union productions anywhere from like B-movies in the United States or even Italy. Some of them even worked on adult films behind the scenes. Like mm-hmm. this is just a way for them to make extra work when mm. there were no union productions going on. So
1: cool. Well, that's interesting. Um, so yes, yeah, so this is the scene where we meet Sarah, mm-hmm. uh, who's a, a blind woman sitting and eating Tacos, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, who's the the main robber? What's his name? Did he have a name? Leroy. Basically. Leroy. Okay. Leroy. Okay. No, Leroy. No, the yeah. Um, Leroy's the one who gets his arm ripped off, but um, he comes up and he. Besides that, uh, in the middle of this robbery, he's going to sexually assault this blind woman. Why not? And, yeah. <laughs> Always <laughs> wanted to hold me a blind girl. And he was, yeah, <laughs> he was
0: like, this bitch is blind. And I feel like I've heard people say that before, and I, I'm assuming it's from that movie.
1: Yeah. Um, doesn't, I I thought he was in the process of doing it, but he was still in preparation when the Toxic <laughs> Avenger comes preparing.
0: in. Preparing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness.
1: Then, with that and one the- gammy arm that's hanging,
2: <laughs> and, like, no one... I wonder if people noticed that before they realized what was about to happen.
1: So I did not know this until I read the trivia afterward. That he w- is a one-armed person who yes. had a prosthetic on.
0: Oh, he is okay. Yeah. I did not,
1: I did not know <laughs> so that. He, it's it works, it works because I I thought that after they ripped his arm off, he had it tucked away somewhere. Well, so, yeah, of but, course, that's what I was saying. No, he's an actual like amputee.
0: Well, interesting. Yeah. I did not, I didn't know that at all.
1: So then we get these elaborate Mexican or restaurant-themed kill scenes, I guess. After the, you know, Well, first of all, they shoot this blind woman's dog, right? Do you want to talk about that? I know you said you had something to say about that. So Gary, the, the actor, the, actor the, do,
2: the dog who played Gary was a trained stunt dog and would do, his favorite stunt to do was sliding across the floor.
0: I noticed
2: that <laughs> it slid. Up. You ne- you never see you never see the dog get shot. You see the shot and you see, you know, some kind of like fur pelts mm-hmm. with a squib come out of it. And then the next scene after that is Gary sliding. But you you know, you, he's not shot he's 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 not literally shot. No, oh, no, of course but not. I wanted but... to do the slide he <laughs> said. No, it makes me sad too. <laughs> and then, you know, when they decide to uh, do a shot of the dog where he's bleeding out. All, all they did was just dump uh, a pot of spaghetti with sauce on him because you could still see the dog breathing. Yeah, the
0: dog's breathing. I saw like this thing. I, I thought maybe he was dying or whatever. I I didn't, I didn't even think of that. But it was so it was spaghetti that
2: <laughs> they had on the dog. But but that's the scene actually from the film. More than the head crushing that got trauma, the most controversy for this film. Because apparently they were getting death threats. How could you kill a dog on screen? He's like, We didn't kill the dog.
0: I mean, there's there's laws against that though, right? I mean, I, I wouldn't think that they actually
1: killed the dog. You know what I mean? You know no, what I'm they saying? wouldn't like, have actually Yeah.
0: So that. like I, that's kind of crazy that people actually did think that. I mean, it's a movie. I,
1: but it would be it would be a production nightmare anyway. It'd be more expensive, I feel like, and more work to try to like have multiple dogs or multiple takes, like. It just, it, I, remember, I mean, I know morality, yeah, sure, but I'm saying just for <laughs> like, forget all that, new. you know, it
0: doesn't matter. Just really think of the, the nightmare it would be,
1: <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it would be a production nightmare because then you got to dispose of them. Trauma uh, Lloyd's uh, has been quoted as
2: saying, and Lloyd is actually like, you know, he supports PETA, so he's actually he, he's proud when he says, um, no humans ever hurt any animals on the set of any trauma films. That does not mean that. No humans were harmed on the set by animals on trauma sets because uh, that does happen later on in a film called Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD, where the monkey actually tried to uh, bite the lead actor's face off. And then the tiger tried to eat the monkey. But, you know, you don't see that in the film, so. Wow. But no, no humans actually. Tara, I'm sorry. I just saw your eyes roll. Like, what the hell does Lou like to watch in his free time?
0: No, it's just, that's kind of terrifying. Monkeys are, they're kind of unpredictable. I don't know. I wouldn't want, I don't think I'd want to work with a monkey, to be honest, so.
2: Well, those actors, those actors, again, those animals were actually on, were actually on loan from, um, not from the Tiger King, but from his rival in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Oh, really? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh, interesting. And until
2: he realized, wait a minute, you don't do good to your animals. So since Mm-mm. then, there's never been another animal on a trauma set. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> i well, Wow. Th- there was the one scene, but you could tell it's fake because it's a stuffed dog that they throw over a uh, uh, Niagara Falls in uh, Return to Newcomb High, Volume 1. Oh, but you thought. could tell it's a stuffed dog, you know? What well, I mean?
0: Yeah. And like, there's a lot of things in this movie where you could tell that it's not real people. You know, when, like when he puts the lady in the washing machine, you know, it's pretty obvious that that's not, like it's like a dummy, you know, <laughs> obviously. So, um, so yeah, so he saves the girl and she's hilarious because she's the way she looks around <laughs> all the time, you know? she's blind. Like, I don't know what she's looking for. It's like, I know that sounds really mean, but why, why is she looking around so much? Because (laughs) she's not, she can't see. It's like, you're not going to see anything. So her, just her mannerisms and just the way she, she was really endearing and just adorable and so, so funny. I really Mm -hmm. liked her Mm -hmm. character. So she likes him. So she, he walks her home and mm-hmm. they get to the house she's like watch this watch the step and then she falls over it which it's very <laughs> stupid but i actually had i laughed I, I, I laughed out loud at that because it was it was just funny
1: that was right really, that's the funniest part of the movie for me that yeah. was the funniest part of the
0: movie <laughs> and then she has all those well, like you know walking cane like the canes <laughs> she's like i don't know why she has so many yeah <laughs> so like 50 of them and she picks one up and she's like you can sit." i don't know she's just very funny and then she hits him with it by accident and but it's funny because he's, you know, this tough guy when he, you know, he hits, she hits him in his balls and he's like, oh, but he's getting, you know, punched and kicked and all these things. And he can't, you know, he's not, he's, it doesn't affect him. But that one little stick in the balls, that was it.
1: But I feel like he doesn't want to make her feel bad. So he's trying to like not, not wince in pain or let her know.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's like do you want something to drink? He's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But later on, um, she well, he won't let her touch her face,
2: touch his face, right? right? And we at this point, we should mention we do not see his face for a while. Oh, that's I, right. I was,
0: I was surprised. I was like, wait a minute, are we gonna see his face or are they just gonna keep it so we don't see it? I, I was glad that we did, but it did, it was quite a while until we saw his face.
1: Was that the decision that was made, um, before the fact? like uh, okay, it wasn't in post, they decided to.
2: No, they uh the way it was the way it appears on screen is the way that it was shot. Mm, okay,
1: yeah. So then he goes out and he starts fighting more uh villainous street thugs or whatever. Well, oh he's he's on the side of the building taking a piss, right?
2: Adam, I think I think we're cutting ahead too far because oh, okay. I think the scene after after Sarah's apartment is is the reveal. Which which is which scene is that in? Um, so that that's the scene where Wanda's in the hot tub. And um,
1: oh yeah, it could be, but yeah, she's she's, she's
2: in the sauna Mm -hmm. and she's uh in the nude and she's masturbating. What does she have in her
0: hand? I thought it, you know, now you think, oh, I thought it was a cell phone. I was like, wait a minute, this is 1984, this is not a cell phone. What was she looking at?
2: Polaroids of the kids' bloody head, oh,
0: and she was whacking it to that. Ew, gross. (laughs)
2: <laughs> all right, so yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, back into it. I apologize. Go ahead. No,
1: no, you, you keep going. That's no, a, forgot about this. Song.
0: I, I actually, right. I'm glad you brought it up because I was really, it was annoying me because I didn't know what was in her hand, and I, I really wanted to know.
1: So, all
2: right, so we'll we'll start from here. So after to- Melvin, he's not called Toxie until the second film. um After Melvin leaves Sarah's apartment, this is when. We go to we go back to the to the gym to the Tromaville Health Club. And Wanda is in the jacuzzi. Not the I'm sorry. The Wanda is in the sauna, mm-hmm. in the nude, and she is pleasuring herself over photos of Skippy's dead body. Skippy's the boy that they ran over his head. Mm. So gross. And this is where we see the reveal of Melvin. As a toxic avenger, earlier in the film, Slug went down to the sauna to trick to trick Wanda as the elephant. Oh, the man. elephant man. He had yeah. the uh, blanket over his head, and he walked in, and he was like, "I am not an animal. I am Melvin the mop boy." This time, it is Melvin it is. the mop boy <laughs> yes. with the hood on his head, and Wanda says, "Listen, stop trying the elephant man trick." Takes off the blanket. And this is where you see Melvin as a toxic Avenger with the one dead eye that's drooped down, Mm -hmm. scares a living bejesus out of Wanda. The next thing you know, he picks up Wanda and he burns her ass.
0: (laughs) And he calls her like hot ass. He's like something about hot ass. Let this
2: be a lesson to you, hot ass. (laughs) There's no room for nuance in these uh, these films. But do they ever reveal whether she's dead? They that's actually in the outtakes. they the uh, the film itself is about eighty two minutes long. So to make it long enough for TV, they actually included clips that were not included in the film. You can actually see the film in its entirety and its one hundred minute cut and if you purchase the Japanese edition of the DVD mm-hmm. in Japan, they actually released the film with all the edited scenes back in there. Mm-hmm. Um what happens is, she ends up turning herself in to the cops, and you see her backside is all bandaged up.
0: <laughs> because um, we are to believe that the other girl is dead, right? I'm assuming he kills her in the basement, I guess they're in.
2: In the film, yes. In the Japanese cut, you see that Julie actually lived. Oh, she did. Except she's got a really bad bald cap on. (laughs) And oddly enough, the scene where Wanda turns herself in is where Julie turns herself in as well. Okay. And that's when they start blaming each other. It was her fault. No, it was your fault. And then they start getting into a cat fight. What about the boys? Oh, how you saw it end was how it ended oh, okay. in the film. So, and then,
0: <laughs> so one got tossed out of the car and the other one burnt, got burnt up in the explosion, the car exploding, right? Is that how it happened?
2: Correct. Okay. Correct. So after the reveal is where we get the scene where now Melvin is becoming the monster hero. This is where he's urinating on the wall. Yeah. Um, Adam, you can take over.
1: Well, I just, <laughs> I was just, I thought that the, the urination would, come into play somehow like it would be toxic and he would like piss on a um street thug and it would burn them or something like that but it was just him just pissing against the wall i didn't have anything to do with anything
0: (laughs) well i mean they were showing you that he his pee is like you know i think that's what the point was they were showing that it was like you know green and toxic so yeah
1: yeah but it it didn't have anything to do with the rest of the movie right i don't think
2: it it didn't uh the only uh significance it has is that this is where uh melvin saves a kid from child
1: prostitution. 12-year-old girl. She wasn't 12, though, right? I mean, in real life, she looked older. I mean, she wasn't... Nothing
0: happened, like, in the movie, so she... I mean, I, I doubt she was actually 12, but she was probably young.
1: But you
2: do see her at the end, uh, again, mm-hmm. uh, in, the, uh, in the final scene. So, you know, you realize she has a happy life now because Melvin saved her. Right. Okay,
1: well, that's good. I guess, chronologically speaking, then, um, I think at this, at this point he, well, a couple of things are happening. I'm not sure in what order. Number one, you're starting to see more toxic sludge appear where he's sort of taken up residence in the dump. So I guess you're getting the idea that they're starting to to put more toxic sludge in that area, right? hmm And it seems like uh, Sarah is now aware of where that location is, and she's also spends time with, as much as she spends time with her at her place, she seems to also spend time with him at his place in the garbage dump. Dump. Right. <laughs> After... Uh... After
2: uh, Melvin returns home, this is when his mother um, runs away in fear of him. Right, okay. And he moves into the toxic dump, Mm -hmm. and Sarah moves in with him. Okay. Uh, Shortly after Melvin saves her from in front of the Tromaville Health Club, again, returning to the scene where it all happened. Oh, that's
1: right. And another yeah. group getting
2: of, hit on by all these bikers. Yeah. So hit
1: on, in air quotes, like another group of men are trying to sexually assault her. Yeah. Like, what is this life of hers? <laughs> and then she, she opens up a, she's back at the garbage dump, and I guess the toxic, Melvin is coming home, and she opens up a book that's called Braille Mirror. Mm-hmm. And this just to me seemed very like a Mel Brooks type of joke because I was like, I wanted to see what was inside of it, but it's just braille. So I'm not sure if it was, was it supposed to be like, I don't know, what, what was that?
2: <laughs> well, uh, we've established that she's already moved in with him, but uh, the scene that you're talking about um, right, b- b- right before this, this is when he executes, um, we think he executes Julie and as I mentioned in one of the outtakes, you see Julie actually live, but for the for the purpose of the film, we'll just say okay. In 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 the film itself, Julie's dead. He mm-hmm. kills her with the scissors. Then he gets his revenge on Bozo and Slug, and you know, Tara, as you mentioned, uh, he throws Slug out of the car. Slug dies from his injuries, and him uh, Melvin and and Bozo end up jumping off the cliff mm-hmm. uh, in the car. Melvin lives. Now, the scary thing about this scene was that it took one take, but the guy performing the stunt almost got killed when this scene was shot. So the fact that he survived, he escaped it because what happened is his belt got stuck. So the fact that he was able to remove the belt and leave the door right before it exploded, it's like, wow, that's divine intervention if you ask me. Jeez, so they really did
0: blow up that car, huh?
2: I yes, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know, there's like all different kinds of camera trick. I mean I guess in the eighties early it really wasn't it's not like it is now, but that's so crazy. oh my God,
2: yeah, now they could get away with doing something like that digitally, but no, yeah, they not, actually blew, they blew up, up this kind. car so after he kills bozo, this is when we cut into the laundromat or the cleaners right where the little person decides you know she wants to uh get. Stains out of her son's pants, mm-hmm. which we don't know what they are. But had we no idea. Are.
0: She, he went out with this girl, and then he came back with all these stains on his pants. All these stains on but his like, pants. Like, why are those pants? Like, why are there stains on the outside? Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't really understand. I mean, I know what it's supposed to be, but yeah, the stains are <laughs> kind of weird. I mean, we know what they're supposed to be, but they're on the outside and they're just all over. So I don't, I don't really know what was going on there. Maybe it's not a girl. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Um, but we yes, yeah, so we we think that this little old lady is, you know, innocent, right? I mean, I thought so too. I had no I thought that she was this, you know, he's I mean, why is he killing this, you know, little innocent lady at the laundromat? This is not this isn't bad. But we but we find out that he's that she's actually not as innocent as she seems.
1: Yeah, I suspected that it was maybe the mother of Slug or Bozo. Oh. For some reason I was like, maybe the she's calling them maybe that's not the real names. Maybe this is like Slug's mother or something. And I didn't even think so, of that. Yeah, but that's not the case.
2: Yeah, no relation at all. It's just apparently we find out that Mrs. Haskell it was the leader of a white slavery race. Yes.
1: <laughs> Why is it going? And be we white? find this
2: out after Melvin uh, kills her by throwing her in the dryer and setting it to high heat where she's burned alive. You know, like you don't see her get burned when it's open and you see her hanging out uh, of the uh, dryer you realize that she died from burns. But mm-hmm.
0: the, then he puts the, her on the press, on the ironing, right?
2: Oh, yes, 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 correct. Yeah. But, you know, of course, the, the one line from this film that people seem to have a hard time with, and you could edit it out if you want to, Adam, but uh, the line that apparently offended people was when Melvin said, "Ha ha ha, no ticking, no washing." Yeah, yeah, I I saw that too. Like,
0: yeah. <laughs> like that's, I didn't get it because at first I thought I was like, maybe she's maybe she's Asian and he was saying that because laundry and you know we whatever. But
2: um, no, it's the stereotype of the Asian of the laundry. Laundry. Okay, <laughs>
0: that's that's what it was. That's that's what that's what I thought. But I was maybe she was Asian and he was making fun of her specifically. But no, he was doing like the Chinese laundry thing. But yeah, I did notice that.
1: Yeah, but the the mayor and the cops want to push the narrative because everyone thinks that she was this upstanding citizen. They want to push that narrative because the toxic avenger Melvin is interfering with their crime business, their drug business. So the sentiment right now is pro-monster, and they want to turn it against by saying, look, he doesn't just go after evil people. He also goes after innocent people like this woman who got killed in the laundromat. And they're trying to downplay any relation she had to this international slavery ring.
0: Yeah,
2: correct. And you can tell Melvin feels an extraordinary amount of guilt that he may have killed someone innocent Mm -hmm. because he didn't know that she was the head of a white slavery ring. The only thing that he knew was that the chemicals in his body, which as one of the medical professionals earlier stated, the chemicals in his body give him the urge to destroy evil.
0: Okay. okay. All right. So,
2: for all he knew, he was killing someone evil. But then, after he killed her, he thinks that he may have killed someone innocent, not realizing what she truly was. All right. Because I was in- going to
0: say that. I, I was, because at first I said, did he know somehow, or that it's just that he has an instinct to just kill bad. So, he just killed her without really knowing, but he just, that's what he does. Okay. So, that clears it up.
2: Correct. Right. And it's not until the second film in the series where we find out that those chemicals are called wait for it people traumatons
1: (laughs) (laughs) how original isn't it (laughs) so this this doctor comes and explains that he has this urge to kill guilty people but apparently he it makes him aware of someone's guilt even if he's not consciously aware of it so i assume maybe he it's able to detect the guilt from emanating from them. Correct. But yeah, I, I don't know. And you said this this trauma doesn't have any room for exposition. Uh, this, this this scientist scene was a bit of expositioning. <laughs> okay, one case in this film. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, look, you need some exposition sometimes. It's not always bad. Yeah, continuity is where they have their biggest issue. <laughs> I also noticed that when he was walking home through the toxic sludge to his garbage dump was a very prominent book. Called Six Crises, written by uh, Nixon, I think. Mm-hmm. That was purposefully put
2: there. I'm sure. I'm
1: sure. <laughs> I didn't
0: see that. Where mm-hmm. was
2: this? This was in the uh, scene where he's walking back to the toxic waste dump at night.
1: Um, he walks by a book by his foot. Oh, okay. Right.
2: Yeah, Lo- Lloyd Kaufman, for all intents and purposes, is a uh, classical liberal in the sense that you know he's um, not really one to uh kowtow to republican policies at the same time he's also not big on what you would call the limousine liberals and he actually goes more into it in his new film that's actually coming out this year called shakespeare shitstorm where he takes on sorry hashtag shakespeare shitstorm where he kind of takes on the limousine lipstick liberals and big pharma so no he's still making movies wow Well, this may be his last film. He doesn't know yet. Okay. But uh, from what John Brennan from uh, the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs on Shudder, and he's also a producer of the film, he said that if this is his last film, he feels like he's going out on a high note. So for anyone who's listening who lives in the New York City area, there is an April 8th premiere at the Museum of the Moving Image for uh, hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm. So I'm going to be there to... uh, Cover it for Music is Live podcast.
0: Awesome. So I look forward to hearing that.
2: I've been to that museum. I love that museum. It's actually really cool. Uh, oh, it's great. I I'm dying to take my daughter to see the Muppet exhibit. Mm. So yeah. As I'm talking about the Toxic Avenger. Anyway, so <laughs> moving right along. <laughs> um so yeah. So um what were we discussing at this point? Oh, yeah, the uh, the Nixon book. Yeah. So he stepped on the Nixon book as well as stepped on a McDonald's styrofoam container. Mm-hmm. So, you know you're seeing the quote-unquote toxicity of everything leading up to this point.
1: Mm-hmm. So the mayor and the cops now have used this uh, this murder of this small woman, who everyone thinks is innocent, to turn sentiment against Toxic Avenger and to call the governor to bring in, or to help with uh, capturing, Or he, 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 the mayor wants to kill the Toxic Avenger, but the governor says we can capture him I'm going to give you, I'm going to send in the National Guard. Mm-hmm. Correct. So the National Guard come and uh, the toxic avenger at this point knows that I think he's being followed. They're after him and he, or he just decides he wants to get away from society because he feels guilty for killing this innocent woman because he thinks that she was innocent. He doesn't realize that he killed her because she was guilty. So he knows his campground and him and Sarah go off to the, live in this campground
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they're followed or they're discovered by, um, the cops the say the, uh, like two the cops run, yeah. yeah one of them it's his first day on the force he's like um, i'm chasing monsters it's my first day
2: and where did a southerner decide to move to new jersey to become a cop oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, i'm all oh, i'm i'm not i'm out here catching me chasing monsters and all i'm doing is getting my fucking ass bitten by mosquitoes
1: <laughs> his asshole bitten by mosquitoes mm.
0: he actually said his asshole like they yeah. were in his butt i was like
1: that's
0: <laughs> It made it funnier to me, but...
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just I always find it funny when people talk about things happening to their asshole, even though that's just (laughs) negative space.
0: Like, as opposed to the actual butt, like the cheeks, it's not as funny. It's funnier when it's, like, an actual butthole. Like, yeah, totally. (laughs) No, assholes are funny. Saying asshole is funny. It is, yeah. Oh, potty humor. I love it.
1: So they decided that they're going to go live in this campground, but... They're going to live in this, I don't know, eight-foot dome tent, tent. <laughs> that's, like, four feet high. That's their new home.
0: Seems reasonable. It's bigger on
1: the inside. That's not
2: their <laughs> anyway. she's
0: And she says that, too. She's like, I wish there was somewhere we could go. And then she's like, oh, you told me about this place and whatever this campground that's somewhere like outside. I mean, it looked like it was, it did not look like a campground. I mean, it looked, it looked like they had found something on the side of the road and stuck a tent there. <laughs> you said it was Staten Island.
2: That was Staten Island. Uh,
0: that definitely was Staten Island. And it's just no campground at, at all. It did not look anything like a campground. It was just grass and probably by a garbage dump because it's Staten Island. Sorry.
1: That's a, that's a, that's a park. <laughs> In Staten Island.
0: But you know, it <laughs> it was just, it just looked funny.
1: So they show up with tanks and cops and guns and army and uh, the mayor shows up. He's also got a gun. <laughs> and Everyone has a gun. Yeah, the whole town really just up, <laughs> confronts him mm-hmm. and he gets out and he tries to tell her to stay inside, but she doesn't. She comes out also.
2: We do have a beautiful scene, though, where his mom comes out mm-hmm. and defends him. And once his mom does come out and defend him, then the townspeople come out to defend him as well mm-hmm. from the kids to the kid in the ice cream parlor yeah to the girl that he saved so beautiful
1: scene um so they, they go they get in the in the line of fire between the army and the cops and uh melvin and then one by one he uh, the toxic avenger gives a speech i think no i no, think toxic, he doesn't oh, say sorry, no that's okay.
0: He's, he doesn't say anything he doesn't talk about it. he says his mom says, if you're going to shoot him, you're going to have to shoot me too. Mm. And then one by one, the kids and the people of the, you know, that are in that mob are like, yeah, me too. And him, you know, and they start going and, and protecting him. So he doesn't really say anything. He was ready to get killed. You know, he's just like, fine, kill me, whatever. But okay, the, the townspeople come in, in between him and the
1: police. Got it. Okay. So um, then all the, armed, all the National Guard and the Army also start putting down their weapons, even though I don't think they know what's going on. Like, they have nothing to do with this. They probably came from a different town.
0: And the tank goes, lowers, yeah.
1: Yeah, the tank like goes, <laughs> like drops a foot. Mm-hmm. Um, But the mayor is the only one left, even though the police captain, I think, decides, whatever, it's not the right move. But the mayor is still content on shooting him. And then Melvin just goes after the mayor. And I thought he was, I thought in this, he was gonna, he chases the mayor And the mayor, I think, shoots him a couple of times, right, but doesn't affect him. He does,
0: which I didn't understand that the bullets didn't affect him. I guess we didn't see that before, but... It's just one of his powers, you know? I I guess so,
2: yeah. We didn't see that before, but because he is a hideously deformed creature, superhuman, size and strength, uh, bullets are, you know, he's impervious to them. It's kind of implied. Right. Um, To to answer your question, uh, yes, the National Guard and the cops decide to lower their guns. But, of course, um, the mayor, the police chief, and the two cronies that he works with, Mm -hmm. you know, they still stand beside the mayor. But the only one of them that has the guts to shoot uh, Melvin is the mayor. Mm -hmm. Okay. So by that being an instant threat to Melvin, this is what causes him to react. Okay. So
1: he goes after the mayor, and he corners him, and I thought he was going to be like, Oh, you know, my killing days are over. We're going to see you rot in jail or something like that.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet, Adam.
1: (laughs) That would be be nice, but that's not what happens. No, that
0: mayor sucks. He deserved to die. Okay. And he gets his stomach ripped out or whatever.
1: He gets any, yeah, he gets his stomach ripped out and he gets a pun too. Says, let's, I know you you got a gut. I know you got, I know you're fat. Let's see if you got any guts or something like that. Yeah. And
0: he pulls his stomach out.
1: Yeah. His exact words were, you
2: fat slob. Let's see if you have any guts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then he pulls, rips into his stomach, pulls his guts out, and the mayor's trying to put his. He's guts putting him back, back
0: in. <laughs> <laughs> I like that scene too. He's like, "Oh no! Like that's gonna help?" <laughs> he like, put it back in there. It's fine. It's okay. And he says, "Kudos, clean up this toxic waste or something." Right? That's what Melvin says.
1: Yeah, take care of this toxic take waste. Care, yeah, <laughs> and the national guard who decided to let this um, monster go. Just witnessed him murder the mayor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was thinking that too. I'm Like he did just kind of kill the mayor, but the mayor was a bad guy.
1: he's still not a threat for whatever reason. I guess because it's
2: kind of implied that they realized that the mayor was the threat.
1: Right. The mayor was the bad guy. I don't know if I would have gotten that just from that scene. If I was just some National Guard guy who just showed up on the day, I don't know.
0: Oh I mean, well, yeah, the National Guard, but, I mean the townspeople probably already knew, but I mean the National Guard, that's true. I was thinking that they're like, I was like, well, they're gonna kill him or they're gonna arrest him or right. something. I mean, he just yeah. killed the mayor, so whether or not he deserved it is kind of not the point.
2: <laughs> he just well, murdered you someone. Kind of, you kind of see power kind of transferred to the proletariat, meaning the, uh, the townspeople that are defending him, because as they stated, he saved them. Right. And the mayor was the one who fired the first shot, and the ice cream kid is the one who lifts, he jerks the mayor's hand up and then all of a sudden, the mayor yells, "Touch me again, and I'll kill you!" Mm-hmm. So by there, he's threatening a kid. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to threaten a kid, that's true. In any film, you're
1: a villain. Yeah, right. that's true. Um, and you know, it is interesting that the movie starts off, and you think that Bozo and Slug are going to be the antagonists or the villains, but um, it does shift. You know, it sort of levels up, and, and you start having the mayor, the cops, um, and just basic cronyism become the the villain of the the movie
0: i was actually thinking that is weird after i watched it um i was i just was thinking about the movie and i said you know where it started was very different from where it ended
1: Mm -hmm. you know
0: it was not the same movie it was started out with these horrible horrible kids that were doing terrible things and you kind of think that's going to be central but it completely shifts and it's not even about them anymore I thought that was I thought that was kind of interesting because it's it's almost like I just said said to myself you know I was wow the movie just didn't it just ended so differently than it began than it began Mm
2: -hmm. right and this is where it shifted from being called health club horror to the toxic avenger Mm -hmm. or as it was called the European uh, territories atomic hero so when Lloyd Kaufman realized wow I'm not making a film uh, a horror film about a health club anymore. I'm making about this one central character. This is when he decided, okay, let's shift the narrative a little bit. Okay. Trauma is notorious for script revisions as the film is going on. <laughs> so I was actually going to say,
0: did he was he writing the movie kind of as he was going? Because wouldn't he have known that the movie wasn't going to be a horror movie about Health Club? But mm, obviously he didn't because he started with that idea, but then it kind of shifted to something completely different.
2: Well- it's funny you mentioned that because he ha- he did state in his book, all I, all I needed to know, all I needed to learn about filmmaking, I learned from the Toxic Avenger. Yes, that's his uh, first book. <laughs> um, he did mention that it started out one way, but before it went into production, it went through so many revisions. Then as the film was being shot, it was still going through v- revisions because he took advantage of certain locations and certain availability of actors that he was kind of able to write that into the narrative.
1: Okay. That's interesting.
2: And, you know, the the funny thing about the end of the film, where you're hearing Melvin and Sarah yell, Melvin, Sarah, (laughs) Melvin, Sarah, that was his homage to Rocky. And why? Because he was a location manager on Rocky. And in his life, this was the only time Lloyd Kaufman ever heard his name at the Oscars, because John G. Avildsen, who I think he was either the director or the producer of Rocky, he thanked Lloyd Kaufman when he accepted his Academy Award. So that was his gratitude to John G. Avildsen was sort oh. of throwing that um, ending scene. Wow! That's the sweet. next big film he worked on after that was Saturday Night Fever. But
1: mm. cool, wow, yeah, that's interesting. I, I love Rocky. Uh, I I still think Network should have won Best Picture in '76, but. Rock, yeah, I get it. I really like that movie anyway. um,
0: so yeah, um, and that's the toxic Avenger,
1: yeah, I do want to clarify that I, I did say um that uh, Patrick Kilpatrick was probably the one who got the most work afterward, but there was a cameo in this, apparently. I had to go back and look at the Stills, and I don't see the resemblance.
2: I don't either. It's not Marissa Tomei, no it's way. It's not a Marissa,
1: okay, because that's what everyone's saying, that Marissa Tomei is in this movie. Where? What part? She, the she, the Toxic Avenger is in the health club. She's got, like, a blue towel on. She comes out of the shower, and she screams and runs away.
2: This is, yeah, Where this is the reveal to uh, Julie where he calls her a murderer. This is when, so uh, when
0: Julie, he corners Julie, and that, that scene where he call it, corners her in the, in, in the health club. So it's fairly in the beginning-ish of the movie. Right. Is that the scene no, you're talking about? There's a girl that comes out of the it's shower. The middle to end. And it's the middle to end. Oh. I mean, I remember that scene though, because he's in the he's in the locker room, right? Right. He comes up from the underneath the bench. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. I, I thought that was like earlier. But that scene. So there's a, there is a girl that comes out of the shower and sees him and screams. Yeah. And he's like he kind of covers his face. I don't know if he mm-hmm. she's putting deodorant on <laughs> or something. She's Correct. like spraying her armpits. Yeah, that's definitely not Marissa Tomei. The so people Thank think that. Hey, okay. There's no I, way. I, I
1: don't see it either. Yeah, I I, I look at the face. And I'm like, there's no way.
2: It's not. It I, can't I, be.
1: I don't think it is either. Um,
2: um, unless she decided to pull a Renee Zellweger and completely change her face, I
1: sincerely doubt
2: that. Yeah, gonna... I, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, I didn't I even mean, know
1: that was a thing. I, I I can't imagine her getting cosmetic surgery that young in life, especially since she had such a unique and you know good look. I just don't see that being. I don't see that being possible and it's no. just it's not her no
0: I don't way think so that's funny i didn't
1: know that was a thing that people thought yeah she's she's starting they say oh Mr. Tomei, uncredited first appearance it's like no i don't see it i don't think so okay so um i guess we normally do numbers but i think terry already mentioned you know what the budget is on this Yeah. Okay, five hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. do you want to take a guess at what the box office was
0: well, I would, but I, I saw it, so okay. I don't want to... Yeah, sorry. Because <laughs> I looked at the budget, and literally right underneath it, it said... I, ha- I just looked it up, and it said the budget was $500,000. And I was that's so impressive. You know, wow, that's crazy. And right underneath it, it said what it made, and it was 800000 So they actually didn't lose money on this movie, which is pretty cool, which I'm surprised.
2: I have on good accord that the film actually made trauma Fifty million. Wow! With worldwide. Okay,
1: okay. I mean, with the first box office, are you talking about with to date with DVD sales and licensing and all that?
2: Up until 1998, when I was an intern there, when I was helping with uh, accounting, just doing some numbers for them, um, sale, total total revenue from the first Toxic Avenger film up until that point was fifty million. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. So that was their biggest hit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there was. It, it, it must have had several runs in the box office. It must have had, you know, a toy lines and and there it was a cartoon series growing up. I remember it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there was I don't remember. Yeah, that. it was called something different. It was called it wasn't. In- Toxic Crusaders. Toxic Crusaders.
2: Yeah. And there was an eleven it. issue comic released by Marvel in ninety one, which
0: I did not know. I did see that there was that it was a comic, and I get they did it obviously after, but I didn't know that. I had no idea that they had made it into a comic. That's pretty. It was pretty cool.
1: So you know. If you are an actor, you're probably kicking yourself that you didn't take uh, a back end percentage as opposed to upfront salary because I'm sure Lloyd would have been fine with that, or maybe not. I don't know. Nope. No, okay. <laughs> you got paid your fee and that was it. Okay. Um, the Rotten Tomatoes, care to guess what the Rotten Tomatoes scores are? Oh, I'm going to guess 67 we do That's, okay
0: is that for the critics or for the audience
1: yeah critics. uh critics okay
0: it's really hard because this movie is there it's so it's it's such a cult favorite and it's it's so uh it's just stood the test of time and people are still watching it and talking about it so it's kind of hard i mean for the critics, I'm gonna say oh I hate to do this I don't like to do like half like so i'm gonna say i'll say fifty five percent for critics fifty five Okay And audience, I want to say like 65.
1: Okay, so Lou was right on 68 percent tomato meter for critics. Oh wow. Uh, and you were very close on audience score 63 percent audience score. Okay. So very close. Not much disparity between the the critics and the audience on this. No,
0: there's not. That's actually really interesting. I knew it couldn't have been too bad, you know, like it's people like this movie and I have, oh, we'll get to that when we do our score, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> i um
2: okay you get
1: me (laughs) (laughs) all right so yeah let's let's talk about scores then we do score on overall enjoyment as well as the cheese factor i'll go first if that's all right go for it so my overall enjoyment of this movie i'm gonna put fairly low actually i'm gonna put this at a three for my overall enjoyment (laughs)
2: Oh, on a scale of one to five
1: uh, uh, one one to to or one to one ten. to ten. Wow.
0: Adam
1: wasn't a fan. No, you know what it is? It's, I'm not the audience for it. I do appreciate that it that there are people out there who like it, and I think it's good for them. Um, It just wasn't something that I would choose to watch if I had an hour and a half to kill. But cheese, I actually thought this was a very cheesy movie. I'm going to put this on like a nine on the cheese factor. Would you like
2: to go next, Lou? On a scale of 1 to 10, this film gets an 11 from me. <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10 for Cheese Factor, a 1 million. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 10 and 10. Yeah. 10 and 10.
1: Okay.
0: Um, for enjoyment, I'm going to give it like a 6. I actually did enjoy it. I thought it was definitely cheesy, definitely campy, pretty ridiculous. But, I mean, that's what we do here. You know, this is the this is what we do. We, we watch movies like that and talk about them because there's something endearing about the cheesy, you know, about movies being like this, but I did like it. I actually was, I, at first I was watching, I was like, Oh God, what am I doing? Like what am I with the next hour and a half is going to be hell. And it went so fast. And I was finding myself, you know, rooting for, for Melvin and getting upset, you know, getting, you know, excited when like bad people are being killed and stuff. So I'm going to have to give it a six and I'm going to go with Adam. I, I think definitely a nine for cheesiness. It's, it's pretty damn cheesy in all the, in the best possible way though. It really is.
1: Yeah, you know, as far, as far as enjoyability like I think a lot of to me at least what makes this movie interesting is the production, right? The low budget, how much production value they were able to squeeze out of it, um the history, the legacy, but if this movie had none of that, I just don't know. I just um standing on its own, I just I don't I don't have a big reverence for it.
0: Yeah. I mean, Fair enough. That's yeah. okay. And that's, it's not for everyone. I think a lot of people, I'm not really a huge fan of trauma films myself, but just in general, I happen to enjoy this one. Cause I thought I just thought Toxie or whatever. Melvin is just super adorable. I think he's really cute. And I just think he's sweet and I like him, but Um, other trauma films I've seen, I, I can't really even get past, get through them. It's too, it's too much. Sorry. we don't have to talk about that. That was fine.
2: (laughs) It's a very acquired taste. Yeah. You know, you watch a trauma film, you may love it, you may hate it, but you'll never forget it. No, definitely. (laughs)
0: That's true. That's why I even said in the beginning, I said, if I had seen this movie, I would definitely remember. You don't forget movies like that. So. Right.
2: Well, I can't thank you guys enough for welcoming me onto this episode of Just a Cheese, Please to talk about. One of my favorite films from the eighties well one of my favorite films in general um, I'm just a goofy guy who loves crazy stuff <laughs> and uh it's uh it's very um it's it's very kind of you guys to uh allow me to come on board and talk to it uh talk about it you know Tara, I've known you for for uh, such a long time and you know you're one of my dearest and nearest and you know thank you Adam very happy that both of you guys are on board with rat Style review network and you know that you've welcomed me with open arms thank of course. you so
0: much it's been a pleasure and we loved having you and uh you sort of gave us a little something else that we don't normally do you know so that was it's always fun to sort of branch out a little bit do a little something different so
1: awesome it's been awesome yeah do you want to do you want to go ahead and plug any of your other stuff that's going on Sure. Uh, just, uh, you know, check out the Rat Style Review Network over at
2: ratsidereview.com Please like and subscribe and comment on our content available on all streaming media platforms and YouTube. And also check out my podcast, the Music is Life podcast, uh, over at com. Uh, my newest episode that I'm currently editing, I interviewed John Brennan, who works on The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs on Shudder and was actually an employee of Troma at one point. His first two films being uh, Return to Newcomb High, sorry, Return to, Return to Newcomb High, AKA Volume 2, and the new film called Hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm, which is going to make its New York City premiere at the Museum of the Moving Image on April 8th. I will be there to cover it for my podcast, and um, that's really it. Please continue to support Just a Cheese, please, because... Um, Adam and Tara are wonderful, wonderful people and they do a great podcast. I was a fan of it before they jumped on Rad Side Review Network. And I'm really happy that the high supreme muckety muck of Rad Sci Review, Wayne Noon, was <laughs> kind enough to say, Hey, why don't you guys jump on board? So we're one big crazy happy dysfunctional family. Absolutely. Here, so. And we're
0: we're glad to be a part of it. Thank you.
2: Thank you guys. Have a wonderful night.
1: All right. Take care now. All
0: right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everyone. Stay fresh, cheesebags
1: for you to say that. <laughs> <laughs>